0: Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And then to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? to all work miracles, to all have gifts of healing, to all speak in tongues, to all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way.
1: Thank you, Faye. Happy New Year, church. Let me fix my stand. It's too small, feet. God makes us all different. I think we just learned that. Well, nice to be back. I missed you all, and you, Maffie. Um, So, uh, it's good to be back. So, New Year, and uh, what I'm supposed to do is go, what are, we, what are we focusing on? What are our priorities? What should we do this year? That's what everyone does at the start of a New Year, right? How can I improve myself? Where, how can I make the most of the year? What can I do? Well, that's not how we're going to start. I want to do something different. Instead of focusing on who I am and what I'm going to do, we're going to focus on the Holy Spirit, and who he is, and what he is going to do. And by the way, that is much more exciting than any ideas any of us had about what we were going to do with 2020. The Spirit is the empowering presence of God in our midst to change us, to make us like Jesus, to give us courage for evangelism, to help us to fight our differences between us. The Spirit is God's empowering presence with us, and we're going to think about who he is and what he does. And we're going to spend five weeks in chapters 12 to 14 of 1 Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul addresses the Corinthian church about spiritual gifts. And the Corinthian church were quite a church. They were full of life, full of passion, full of gifts, full of energy. You could say they were full of the Holy Spirit, but they were also full of boasting and pride and division not to mention doctrinal error and rampant immorality. So they were full of the spirit, but you could also say they were full of the spirit of Corinth, the city within which they found themselves. And so in chapter 12, when Paul starts to address the issues of spiritual gifts, as with many things that Paul is addressing in this letter to the church in Corinth, there's many things they do right, and there's many things they do wrong. And Paul wants to encourage the good and untangle the bad. And with spiritual gifts, he wants to warm some people up and say, come on, you have a role. Would you allow the Spirit to work in your life in a different way? Open yourself up. And to others, he says, now calm down. Use your mind. Get some control and humility and recognize the variety of the Spirit's work. The church may be 2,000 years older, than when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. But isn't it the same today? We need to encourage the good that the Spirit is doing and our experience of the Spirit and untangle some things. You think, well, I'm not quite sure about that. Some of us need to warm up and some of us need to engage our minds and, and think more broadly. If, I think if Paul was writing a letter to Christ City Church in Dublin, I imagine the church in Corinth was about the same size as us, is my guess. I think he'd want to say, warm up as a whole, as a church, warm up. Be open. Be expectant. Grow in a freedom and an expression and a relationship with the Spirit that maybe we often neglect. We talk about our relationship with Christ, our relationship with the Father. What about our relationship with the Spirit? So before I crack on and look at the chapter, why don't I pray? Take a moment just to be quiet there. Heavenly Father, as we think of this new year, We pray, above all else, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on our lives, on our church, and as Matthew has been praying already on our city. We pray, Father, that you would give us a clarity of mind from the Scriptures. You'd give us an openness of heart to desire what you desire. And you'd give us a humility of our soul that we'd be open and surrendered to you and your Spirit's work. Amen. So the big idea of chapter 12, this week and next week we're looking at it, you, you notice I missed a chunk of the passage, we're doing that next week, we're looking at the issue of unity and diversity when it comes to spiritual gifts in the church. And today, the Holy Spirit, I think, wants to teach us three things. He wants to teach us how to grow in discernment around spiritual gifts, how to honour our unity when it comes to spiritual gifts, and how to celebrate our diversity, So, let's talk about growing in discernment. Do you see verse 1? Look at the handout there. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, or gifts of the Spirit, I do not want you to be, what's the word? Uninformed or ignorant. So, Paul had heard reports. He'd never been to this, well, he planted and then left, and he'd heard reports, and as he writes back, he says, no, there's lots of ignorance. There's lots of people that are uninformed about spiritual gifts. They don't know about them. They don't know how to use them, or they're uninformed about, because there's abuses, and they're not correcting the abuses. And he says, I don't want ignorance. I don't want you to be uninformed. And what we're going to see over the next few weeks as we inform ourselves is there's two groups in Corinth. There's what I'm going to call the spiritual gift elites. This group is obsessed with spectacular spiritual gifts, especially the gift of speaking in different languages or tongues. To be spiritual, to be really full of the Spirit, to be a real follower of Jesus, well, you had to speak in tongues. and, And you had to, or at least have another spectacular gift like healing or prophecy. And so things have become a bit out of control, and there's a lot of pressure to to perform, in a sense. And then, in contrast, it always happens in any group to the spiritual gift elite. So there were spiritual gift stiflers. Paul's going to end chapter 14 by saying, so don't forbid the speaking, as if people decided to forbid spiritual gifts. They downplayed them and suppressing the beauty and diversity of what the Spirit wanted to do in the church. The church is 2,000 years old. How often is our experience been the same? There's one group that's all into certain types of things, and there's another group that definitely isn't. And I want to make sure everyone knows about that. And to the elites, Paul says, hey, cool down. Use your mind. Let's get a bit of control and humility. And to the stiflers, Paul says, warm up. Get excited. Get a bit of freedom and expectancy. Surrender your fear in this area. Paul doesn't want them to be uninformed. He wants them to grow in discernment. Whatever side that the group, the church was on or the people in the church were on, everyone has something to learn. Everyone has something to grow. Everyone has something to change and adapt. Neither of us have all the answers. Who can tame the Holy Spirit and say, I've understood him and his work? And in verse 2, Paul unf- un- unpacks where a lot of the ignorance has come from. As I said, the-, the church was too influenced by the culture and the city they lived in, the pagan city of Corinth. So, do You see verse 2, it says, you know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by dumb idols. I just visited the city of Athens and saw all these temples to the pagan gods, and the Corinth is about three hours' drive from Athens, and it's amazing to think of the influence all these temples would have had back then, how they influenced people. Paul says, led them astray in their thinking, their emotions, their behaviours. They cannot real gods, they can't speak, but they can still influence, they can still lead people astray. So the question Paul is wanting the Corinthians to think through is, how do I know if I'm being influenced by the Holy Spirit, or by idolatry, or the sinful nature, or by the devil? How do I know if I'm being led by the Spirit, or if I'm being, do you see the phrase he uses, led astray? Ah, We have to grow in discernment. What's the criteria? How do I know if this is the work of the Spirit? Paul gives us the answer, verse three. No one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What's the criteria? Is this the work of the Spirit? Well, is it leading me to glorify Jesus as Lord more? If it is, it's the work of the Spirit. Does this come under the lordship of Christ and the scriptures that he's given us? Then it is. If it doesn't, it's not. You see, the main job of the Holy Spirit, according to the New Testament, is to bring glory to Jesus, is to make him magnificent. Is that Jesus in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, in our churches grows bigger, because the Spirit is at work. Without the Holy Spirit, it's like being in a dark room, not knowing where you are and what you're supposed to do. And then the Holy Spirit comes into your life when you're when you become a Christian, and increasingly as you grow as a Christian, and the Spirit fills your life. And what does He do? The Spirit says, "Look at Jesus. Look at Him more. Look how magnificent He is. Look how you can trust Him. Look Him for your Savior. Look Him for your treasure. Look at Him as your Lord." Your brother, your lover your your big you know your spouse you know look, look at Jesus and how wonderful he is, and everything makes sense that 's the role of the spirit to lead us to jesus and it 's called being born again. you know I was wandering in the dark, I was lost in my sin and my my, my errors of my ways. I was a rebel against God, and the spirit came into my life and oh, look at my Savior Jesus, look how magnificent he is. I want to change my desires I know I need to rework some of my desires now. The Spirit is at work, new hopes, a new family. He says, look at your family. All centered on Jesus. So as we start to become informed about spiritual gifts at Christ City Church, to a greater degree, the fundamental principle that governs everything we do is, does this make Jesus Lord in our church? Does it make him more glorious? Does it make us better disciples of him? Are we growing in the fruit of the Spirit As we grow in the gifts of the Spirit. And if Jesus is Lord, does our practice of spiritual gifts fall in line with what the Bible says and the boundaries within which they are to be exercised? If yes, it's of the Holy Spirit. If not, no. You could be influenced by an idol or by your sinful nature or by your ego or by the devil or by the culture or, dare I say, as I've seen before, by some sub, you know, Christian subcultures they become very powerful and we think we should be like those people over there he says no no you don't need to be influenced there look at what the scriptures say and open yourself up to the spirit as you do so grow in discernment Paul says don't be uninformed the spirit wants you to lead lead us to know jesus as lord more then the spirit wants to help us honor our unity Verses 4 to 6, after, uh, after growing in discernment that Jesus is Lord, could you see that in verses 4 to 6, Paul talks about diversity. Do you see he talks about different kinds of gift, different kinds of service, different kinds of workings? And then immediately after each sentence there, he talks about the unity. But the same Spirit distributes them, the same Lord, the same God works in all of them in all, as in all men. So do you see now behind the spiritual gifts that are so, such a variety, we're going to look at them in a moment, there's the same God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, Paul's saying behind the variety of spiritual gifts is a unity. And you see in God himself, there is plurality, there is unity and diversity. Father, Son, and Spirit, yet one God, the doctrine of the Trinity. At the heart of all reality, The God in whose image we were made is unity and diversity. Not just unity and not just diversity. It's one God and three persons. Now, many have likened the Trinity to a dance. Because in a dance, well, in the dance of the Trinity, each member of the Trinity is trying to put the other one in the center. So the Father's trying to get the Son in the center, so the Son can be center stage. And the Son is trying to get the Holy Spirit in the center, so the Holy Spirit can be center. And then the Spirit is trying to put the Father. So each of the Trinity is deferring to the other member to make them glorious, to, give, to serve and defer and glorify to the other. It's a beautiful dance where they circle around the other, and in that there is unity and diversity. If you think of a dance, there's one dance. They're working together, they're moving together, they think together, they're choreographed together, you could say, in a dance. There's a team, there's a partnership, there's a romance, but there's diversity. In the dance, there's distinct roles. One is leading, You can't both lead, one has to follow. One is moving forwards, well, you can't both move forwards, the other one has to be moving backwards. One is holding, well, you can't both hold, one has to support. There's distinction and unique contribution within a dance which is one. What a beautiful image of what is behind all of creation. If you have unity without diversity, you have what's called communism, right, in the end, politically, Everyone does the same. All individuality is suppressed. Every kind of different personality is squashed into one. And it's boring and it's oppressive. Unity without diversity. But if you have diversity without unity, you get anarchy. Everyone does what they want with no consideration of the other. And it's not beautiful. It's a mess. It's horrible. It's ugly. Just as the unity without diversity is oppressive, so the diversity without uh, unity is ugly. You need both together because we were made in the image of a God who's who's a unity and and diverse within that. One body, many parts, Paul is going to talk about. Now look at this unity and the implications. Verse 6, look at verse 6. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them, there is, and in every one, there is the same God at work. If we honour our God, who is one God, And that God is working the same behind all the gifts and in all of us. This unity will give us three things. It will engender equality. It's the same God behind the gifts. doesn't matter what gift you have. It's the same God. You can't think more importantly of yourself and have a superiority complex. And also you can't have an inferiority complex. It's the same God who's behind the gifts. Whatever gifts, whatever role, the same God is at work in all of us. There's no hierarchy, there's no elite, there's no greater status or value. We're all equal. Friends, how do we ensure that there's no cliques and hierarchies in Christ City Church? It's the natural tendency of the human heart. It's the natural tendency in the way of the world. How do we resist it? We honor the God who's amongst us. The Holy Spirit who's working in all of us. No one has a monopoly. No one's greater as we honor the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst, we'll, we'll discover we are honoring our unity. It will not only engender equality, it will create humility. Look at verse 11, underline this verse in your Bible. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines do you see that He's distributing, the Holy Spirit, as He determined. We don't get to determine what gift I want. What, he's in charge. There can be no boasting or pedestals because no one's done anything. We've just received a gift. You haven't earned it. You haven't been impressive for it. The Holy Spirit chose, He determined, and then He gave. There can be no parading of your gift for your glory as if you did anything. The Holy Spirit, the eternal God, decided, I'm going to give that person that one. And I have a reason for it. I'm going to give that person that one. I'm going to give that person that one. It's the same spirit behind all of them. And he's determining, not us. It gives us a humility and also an open-mindedness. And we can't be envy and go, well, I want that one. Well, maybe, but like allow him to be in charge. So the unity that the spirit wants to bring about us engenders equality, creates humility, but also inspires confidence. What do I mean by that? It means don't be the first person in history of the church to say, well, I'm the only one that hasn't been gifted. How dare you? No, don't have a super, an inferiority. Comp- he says the same spirits are working in all of us. We've all been gifted. Everyone has a role. We're going to come back to this when we think of the one body and many parts next week. And if you have that tendency, which we all do, to feel envious, oh, I wish I had that, I wish I was... God, the Holy Spirit has his eye on you. Be excited by that. What have you got for me, Lord? And we'll come to it for the good of others. It's not for me to keep. But the point is, don't go, I wish I had that. Well, what what do you have for me? Because he's there giving gifts. He's skillful. He's caring. He hasn't forgotten you. He's for everyone. Be expectant, be excited, be open. The Holy Spirit wants to inspire confidence in each of us that he's gifted us. And he wants us to use those gifts and grow in those gifts and fan them into flame. So let me challenge you. In Christ City Church in 2020, don't be a passenger. You know, passengers get taken somewhere, but they don't participate. It's easy to be a passenger in church. There's nothing about it doesn't the spirit of one Corinthians 12 is now everyone has a role. The body doesn't work if not everyone's involved. Don't be a passenger. Get involved. Find places. Discover. Learn. Grow. Fail as you discover and go. That's not my gift. I'll have another go at something else. That's okay. And secondly, similar but different. Instead of being a passenger, don't be a consumer well, I'll opt in for church for the bits I want, and I'll opt out when I don't, and I'll sort of semi-commit, and when it suits my wants and desires and time to, of course, there's seasons where things change a bit, but like, don't be a consumer. It's, we're, t- we're given something so we can give back to the church. And by the way, there is nothing more exciting, in my opinion, or exhilarating than knowing that you are being used by God within the church. I remember when I was 16, 17 years old, we used to run a youth cafe in my church, and I, I had a sort of One of the gifts I think I've been given is organization. It's one of those really exciting ones. you know. And uh, I remember I was organizing something, and the thing worked. And I just remember going, isn't that amazing? God had used me to organize something, and it worked. And then uh, as in university, I discovered a passion and a desire to teach the Bible. And I started meeting with these three first-year students. I was a second-year student. We met every week, once a week for an hour to study two Timothy over lunchtime. And they were lapping it up. And I, I was like, there's nothing more exhilarating. I've been given the gift to teach the Bible. And I'm using it and, ah, let the Holy Spirit take you on a journey this year of fanning into flames old gifts. Use, there's nothing more exhilarating than going the Spirit is using me to serve others. Come with expectation. Come with confidence. So we need to grow in discernment. Jesus is Lord. We need to honor our unity with equality, humility, but also a confidence. And then we need to celebrate our diversity. Paul is now going to list in two different lists in in, in 7 to 11 and 27 to 30 a number of spiritual gifts. And there's three other lists in the New Testament, in Ephesians, in 1 Peter, and in Romans. And so there's 21 gifts we're given over these five lists. And by the way, that's not exhaustive. It's not like there's 21 spiritual gifts out there. The Holy Spirit's far more creative than 21. But they're an example of the kind of gifts the Spirit wants to give to us. But I want to look at verse seven first before we look at the different gifts, at the controlling principle that come when it comes to the gifts. Look at verse seven. This is the controlling principle. Now to each one of the manifestation of the spirit is given. Why are you given a gift, a manifestation, a moment where the spirit uses you? For the common good. That's the controlling principle. I'm given something. Why? For the good of the unity. The diversity is for the unity. We're never to serve ourselves, we're to serve the body. So, in other words, when you're called to Christ, you're given two callings. The first one is to Jesus, a vertical calling, to serve him as Lord. The second one is a horizontal calling, to serve his body, the church. There's a whole way of thinking about Christianity that's only about the vertical. I follow Christ. And belonging and participating to a church is an optional extra if it suits my needs and wants. The Bible knows nothing about that kind of individualistic Christianity. In fact, it would say that person is mature. It's like a coal not next to the fire. The coal is going to really struggle to stay alive and hot if it's not with all the other coals. We're called to Christ and we're called to his body, a particular congregation in a particular city with our particular gifts for a particular purpose at this time. And you go, well, I was just making life decisions and the, the spirit was working and he was orchestrating. And he says, now I've got you. Serve, belong, participate. So let me give you a definition of spiritual gifts that are for the common good. Spiritual gifts are gifts given. Uh, spiritual gifts are gifts God gives us through the Holy Spirit for the building up of the church. That's verse seven, basically. So let's go through some of them. The first one is the word, or depending on the translation, the message of wisdom. Now, wisdom in the first chapter of One Corinthians and second is all to do with the message of the cross and the wisdom of which was foolishness to some and all the rest. So that seems to be, this gift seems to be the gift to preach in the Bible, particularly the cross for, for salvation and evangelism. This is you know, called an evangelistic gift. I have, a me- I have the message of the cross uh, and I have that wisdom to teach it and explain it to people, particularly non-believers. The secondly is then a word of knowledge, which seems to be linked to the gift of prophecy, and in chapters 13 and 14 to understanding mysteries and revelation. Again, we're going to come back to some of this. And it seems to be that this is an insight into someone's life or situation which they wouldn't have otherwise known except by divine revelation. They're given a knowledge about something, a word of knowledge to help encourage, strengthen, or convict someone or, or even a church. Then there's the gift of faith. Now, the gift of faith is sort of that faith, not the self-faith that saves us. Everyone is given that. This is a gift that can, you know, faith that can move mountains. I just read this morning an excerpt from a, 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 an article that Brother Andrew, who smuggled Bibles into communist lands, and he, I just happened to read it this morning, and he was talking about when he saw the communism, you know, coming through, the parades coming through. And, you know, uh, uh, this was, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And he said, you know, Lord, what are you going to do? How are we going to? How is Christianity going to go for this iron curtain? And he had the gift of faith. He smuggled Bibles in. Wow. You read the story of the God smuggled, you think, how could the guy do He had the gift of faith. And we don't all have that kind of a spectacular gift of faith, but that's the idea. Maybe it's to overcome a financial hurdle. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this. The finances don't add up. And God gives you the gift of faith, move forward. I don't have all the things joined together, and then He gives you the gift of faith. I think we can move forward anyway. Then there's a gift of healing, which seems pretty clear. He's not talking about spiritual or emotional healing. Healing in the script in the New Testament here is physical healing. You know, people pray for people that are sick, broken legs, or women that are bleeding their whole life. Those are the kind of physical healings we see in Jesus and the apostles. And people are given bodily, physical healing through prayer. And someone, it's not for everyone, Paul says at the end. Like, Is this for everyone? No, 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 it's not. There's people that God gives the gift of healing to. Then there's miraculous powers. Uh, it links with healing, of course, but, but typically maybe thinking of exorcisms. Nature miracles and supernatural energy. So exorcism, the casting out of demons. Nature miracles, you know, you think, you, think, you know, the, the, the widow whose, whose oil never ran out. You know, that kind of thing, the the feeding of the 5,000. There's like a limited supply, but it goes more than it should. Maybe my bank account, maybe some petrol, whatever. And supernatural energy. There's an amazing moment, isn't there, when Elijah is anointed by the Spirit to run faster than the chariots in 1 Kings 18. I've always wished for that on the sports field, you know. (laughs) There I go. But uh, I don't think it's for my glory, so that's why I was never given that on the sports field. Um, The gift of prophecy uh, seems to be the word of knowledge, but more general. So a spirit-inspired utterance from God to us. It's not normally predictive of the future, though it can be. It's normally what you might call foretelling, speaking into someone's life or situation or a church as a whole, a a particular word that needs to be heard at this time. It may be predicting the future, but when you look at it in the New Testament often, it is not. The ability to distinguish between spirits, so Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So you can drive out demons, perform miracles and prophesy. It doesn't mean you're full of the spirit. You could be full of the devil or another kind of power. So the gift of discernment is to go, is this the work of the Spirit, or is this the work of something darker? The gift of tongues or languages, probably a better translation, uh, this can be an earthly language, like God gave at Pentecost, or it can be a heavenly language, which Paul talks about, you know, if you have the tongues of men and of angels, doesn't he, in the next chapter. Uh, so some kind of way of communing with God. This can be for private use in our own devotion. Or it can be for public use where it is accompanied by the gift of interpretation of that tongue. And that's what he comes to next. Whenever God gives a, a language in a, in a public meeting of a city group or a church meeting or prayer and worship like that kind of thing, then we will come with and we should wait for an interpretation and we'll come to that. And in effect, it works like prophecy. God is speaking to us through that then. Then he talks about apostles, there's two types of apostles, and there's the first century unique foundational apostles that uh, ensured that the New Testament was written, they were eyewitnesses of Christ, and uh, they went and spread the good news in the first century, there's none of those around today. But there are the second type which seems to happen within the New Testament itself, people like Barnabas, who go to uncharted territories and plant new churches and give oversight to that work. Then there's teachers, I think that's self-explanatory, people that can teach the scriptures and help people understand it and make wise choices in life because they can apply the Bible into daily life, apply the gospel to our lives every day. And then the gift of helps, which no one has a clue what that is. It's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible or no other part of ancient literature, but I think it's pretty obvious. People that are helpful. People that serve coffee. Punch numbers into spreadsheets so finances are well managed. Clean. Cook. They're helpful. Don't you love that healing and prophecy and exorcisms and all these things is included with helps? Do you hear what Paul's doing to the spiritual elite group? Don't think this is any less important. You might be able to drive out demons. You might be able to heal. You might have prophetic words. That person helps, and they are just as valuable. I know many people that have wanted the gift of healing and miracles. I haven't known many people who go, I really want the gift of helps but that says that we've got too much of Corinth or Dublin within us too. Paul is saying every part is necessary, every is important. Serve, Ola mentioned the team. Serve on the hospitality team. Help with the music. Be part of the welcome team. Talk to a new person on a Sunday. Teach the Bible on a Sunday. Organize a surprise party for someone in your city group. Cook a meal for a mum who's just had a baby. Teach the kids the memory verse. Pray for someone to be healed or give a word of knowledge. It's all important. There's no hierarchy. It's all needed. The gift of administration, uh, that's the gift to sort of organize things. It's not flashy or impressive, but it's vital. If you don't have people administrating things, it all falls apart. And the idea is to steer a ship. And so someone has to give that sort of leadership and administrative leadership so the church is organized well. So look, there's 13 gifts from that from just one quintin. There's other passages. that have a few extras you could have added in. They're not exhaustive but they give us an impression of the kind of gifts God wants to give through his spirit to build up the one church. So let me close and finish today. As we start 2020 focusing on the person and the work and the gifts of the spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to grow us in discernment. So we're not uninformed, we understand. And how do we know if this is of the spirit? Well, Jesus is becoming bigger in our lives and our church. He's Lord. He wants us to honor our unity. It's the same God at work. So there should be equality, there should be humility, and there should be confidence and excitement. He's at work. And we should celebrate our diversity. Everyone has a role, a gift, a part to play, a color, a flavor to bring, a move to bring to the beautiful dance that we get to join in, the dance of God himself. We must not suppress the diversity. So let me finish. Did you see the last verse there? On the, on the back there? Verse 31. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. Greater gifts are the gifts that build up the church. He's going to define that later. And then the excellent way is chapter 13. The gift or, or the way of love. Which is much more important than any gift. So chapter 12 is about spiritual gifts. Chapter 13 is about love. Chapter 14 is about spiritual gifts. The most excellent way is the way of love in all of this but you notice the word eagerly desire and then after chapter 13 he comes back and says follow the way of love which he's just told us about you know love is patient love is kind all that and eagerly desire he uses the same word gifts of the spirit especially prophecy because that's building up the church that's why it's a greater gift than the gift of tongues which is more private and then he says in verse 12 since you are eager for the gifts of the spirit try to excel in those that build up the church so don't focus on what you want focus on Lord, how can I desire something that would be good for CCC? That's where the focus should be. Eagerly desire the ones, not not what do I want? Lord, what does CCC need at this time? I'm going to desire that. I'm going to pray that other people would join our church that would have that gift. Do you see, the focus is on the unity, it's not on you. So let me encourage you three times, as Paul does three times, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit and the person of the Spirit at the start of 2020. Not apathetic. Don't be apathetic this year. Come expectant, eager. What are you going to do in my life? Not boasting. I'm here to serve, Lord. How can I serve? Not lying dormant. Lord, I've got this gift and I used to use it or I thought about using it. Now's the moment to use it. Not insecure. I wish I had their gift. No, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit is going to help me as I take a risk and move out and try one of the... that he'll be there and the church is full of grace and we'll have a go. Not a passenger. No, oh, I'll just let others do it and I'll carry on. No, no. I have a part. Not a consumer. I'll take what I need. No, no. I'm going to give. I'm going to commit. I'm going to be part of this beautiful thing, this beautiful dance that God is we're joining God in. Be open. Be eager. What would the Holy Spirit do? And to help us to think through that and respond as we start the year, I want us to take bread and wine. As Paul's going to use a phrase, a participation in the body, that we come together as one people, all diverse. And as you come, you may want to come and say, listen, I had a horrible Christmas, a horrible new year. In fact, I haven't really followed God much recently. This is where we come to the Lord's table and say, Lord, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for a fresh start. Thank you that there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Lord, I'm yours again. Or you might come forward and say, Lord, I've been a passenger and a consumer. I'm going to be a participant and a giver. And my coming forward is to participate, Paul uses that expression here, in the body this year. He says this, listen. is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ. And is not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body. We all share in one life. It's the idea that there's a unity as we come together in our diversity. So come together and say, "Lord, I want to be used this year." So would you stand? Uh, the servers, I think it's Emma and Safe and Greg and Pat, can come forward. They're just going to say, "The body of Christ given for you and the blood of Christ shed for you," and you can come forward. There's non-alcoholic and gluten-free on both. Well, gluten-free on both sides, non-alcoholic to my left, your right, and. Uh, Let's just take a moment to be eager, to be expectant, to be open, and uh, I'll pray, and then you can come forward. If you're not a believer in Jesus, then uh, you can just watch. This is for Christians who have committed themselves to Jesus and his church. Um, You're very welcome to consider where you stand with him and uh, decide for him today, if you'd like. Speak to me after. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for uh, a fresh start, a fresh year. We thank you for the cross and the Lord's Supper, the bread and the wine, which says we have a fresh start. And we thank you for the gift of the Spirit that you poured out on your church at Pentecost after Jesus ascended to empower us, to make us new, to give us new lives, new hearts, a new family, a new focus, new hope. And uh, we we say, Father, now as we come to the start of this new year, pour out your Spirit on us that we might be yours and we might be used by you in this church and beyond. I pray for any Lord here today that know that this moment is a moment to get right with you they would remember that the, the blood of Christ cleanses them and washes them from all their, their mess and their mistakes and the sin and rebellion. Lord, we're forgiven as we come to the cross. But also, Lord, as we come forward, we come to say, I want to participate in the body of Christ on earth. Play my part in loving and forgiving and caring and participating and sharing and opening my life and my heart up to brothers and sisters. Make us that kind of church, Lord, for the glory of Jesus we pray. Amen.